Hello and welcome to the All Blacks edition. Ian Foster is the new head coach. Yes, he is. What a big surprise there. Wow. Um, no one saw that one coming, did they? Let's be honest. So um, everyone knew it was going to happen. It's what's happened, but it's now official. We're also going to have a quick chat because there's been news about the new Christchurch Stadium. Um, we will also uh, have a look at uh, what Ian Hansen said. Ian Hansen? No, Steve Hansen. Ian Foster and Steve Hansen. What Steve, <laughs> what Hansen said um, about the um, England loss, and also have a look at the New Zealand Rugby Players Association awards for this year as well. And when I say we, the reason I say we is because I'm joined by uh, someone we've probably not seen for a while actually, but hey, he has still been doing his stuff quite the way in the background. It is Steve, um, the man behind Cornflakes Crib or Cornflake or whatever it's called. Yeah, Cornflake is just Cornflake. Yeah, it's just me. That's all it is now. Uh, good to be back. It's been a while, but um, so, I'm, when, I'm still around. You, I'm still here. When did you drop the crib? Uh, Pre-World Cup. Pre-World Cup. So, yeah, Swampwake's crib. So the crib's gone. He used to aim... He obviously part of the MTV show. See, see those cribs. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> No, so, yeah, just Swampwake. Um, so, Ian Foster, um, were you surprised... No, <laughs> pretty much. It's like I said months ago. Um, yeah, it was all pretty much. It, this is the All Blacks, isn't it? It's been like this for how many years now? Like over a decade. It's been that way since um, the Graham Henry day. Steve Hansen was always going to take over. And pretty much that whole time, I know you've talked about a lot on your shows, Paul. Every single time we talk about it, the leading front runner, it's always been Foster. It's always looked like it was going to be Foster. I think the media just got it. I mean, I think he's done rugby team like, here you go, um, Herald, here you go, Stuff website, here you go, everyone else, Fox, whoever else around the you know rugby writers world, have a little bit of a, a taster here. We'll, we'll throw in a few names that might be looking at it. We'll throw in Scott Robinson. He was, ne I mean, as much as it would be cool, Scott Robinson in the running, you know, I think he was probably the only one that was ever going to really be in that sort of running, but he was never in that, that all black frame what they sort of look for, what he's done and what he's kind of progressing towards is, I think, still a long way away from being seriously in that discussion. It would have taken, I think, a, a big, big upset or surprise. I mean, if Ian Foster come out tomorrow in the media and said, hey, look, I, I quit, I don't want to do it, then we've got a, a bit of a competition on our hands. But um, it was always going to be Foster right from the start, and uh, I think the media just got a few hundred thousand million clicks out of it. Yeah, exactly. And that's and the whilst... I mean, if we sort of wind it back, Darryl, uh, Darren MP said, pardon me, they reached out to 26 different people to asking them to apply, of which I'm pretty sure only two actually applied, which were Ian Foster um, and uh, Scott Robertson. No one else did, I don't think. Uh, everyone else, a whole, all the other main contenders at least have said, hey, they approached me, but I said no thanks um, because of X, Y, Z. So, um, yeah, at the end of the day, they only had two people to interview and that made it a, a and even if they had 10 to interview, it was still pretty obvious who was going to get the job. Let's be honest. Um, as Dave Rennie said, look, I've been talking to Australia for the past six months. Uh, now you suddenly turn up uh, a month before uh, and you expect me to suddenly ch change, uh, you expect me to suddenly be available for you. Nah, ain't going to happen, folks. So the, whilst they say they reached out, whilst they say, oh, we did this full, we did this full thing, um, this proper process, yada, yada, yada. In reality, the way they ran it um, was always going to end up with one answer only, um, especially when you look at the people who, who were choosing. So you had Darren Impey, um, 
new chief executive uh, Mark Robinson, who actually starts in the new year. Mark Anthony, head of uh, high performance, who, let's be honest, has been part of, has either been um, part of the, the All Black setup, or at least, if, if not um, overseeing them, then at least integrate, working with them very closely. So Graham Henry, <laughs> yes, again, he's been very close to that crowd. Um, the only person that you might uh, say is even remotely independent um, was the the guy who is, oh, sorry, the, is it guy, um, Winniamara uh, Tuamanu, who is the High Performance Sports New Zealand director, um, who I guess deals mainly with Olympic stuff. That was the only person who was even remotely independent on the whole panel. The rest of them were all going to vote one way, weren't they? Yeah, and it's that um, process, I guess, uh, for using a terrible cliche rugby world, isn't it, that that the All Blacks have always had. And, and like those guys, you mentioned a lot of them, especially Graham Henry, he, he was part of it. And I mean, the All Blacks and New Zealand rugby has always talked about the, the, the culture staying the same, um, the system staying the same, and all that sort of stuff flowing through, regardless of who's in charge, regardless of who the players are, having that core sort of uh, like off-field sort of thing about the team and, and about New Zealand rugby has always been that, that target for them. So yeah, no, no surprise. And, and those guys, are, they're all in that too. They're, they're all part of that and they're going to want to keep that together. So what's probably going to be more interesting is to what we look to in whatever it's going to be, four years, eight years, whatever in the future, and who, who takes on that next sort of torch as the um, big up-and-comer to take on their next role. So obviously it'll be an assistant of some capacity. And well, what's, I guess so. some of the interesting things here is that he's only been appointed for two years. He's not been appointed for the full Rugby World Cup cycle. Now, you could say that's exactly what happened to Steve Hansen. He got two years to do the Lions and he got two years to the Rugby World Cup. They didn't give him four years in that second uh, for the last cycle. So maybe that's the new way of doing it. Or is this a sign of they're, they're just not convinced he is the right guy? But, hey, he's the next one. They, they've been prepping him, but they actually don't have full confidence in him. And therefore, they're saying, look, there's two years there if you get it wrong. Um, that gives us time to, to get someone else in for the next Rugby World Cup. If you get it right, we'll renew you. I, I think they've got pretty much full confidence in them. I think that the contract length is, is a formality, if anything. I think it's just um, a system, a process that they, they go through when doing the contracts. I guess they don't want to commit too much, but you'd have to do something really bad. I mean, the All Blacks would have to pretty much bomb the next two years. When, when they invest so heavily... And these guys, and especially like they have in Foster, who's been around forever, it seems like, they're not just going to be like, oh, you lost to the Wallabies. I mean, they all have pretty much, haven't they, recently? So out you go. Um, it's going to have to get pretty bad. And even even still then, I think they've always got that plan in mind. And it always seems to be the World Cup is the ultimate focus. And like I say, there's no lines to gauge on. It's going to be rugby championship. It's going to be in your tours. That sort of thing is going to be what he's gauged on. And you'd have to say the All Blacks is kind of a team that does pretty much because of the, the great talent that it has. The coach has some impact, but a lot of these players definitely do run just within themselves. And they just need a, a bit of guide, a bit of direction, tactical uh, play, tactical awareness, that sort of thing. It's what they get from the coaches. These guys are elite on the next level. And if they do bomb out and have a shocker, you know, a lot of a lot of that has to go on the players as well. So I can't see Foster having a um, having a nightmare. I think these players are good enough. What he's got, the, the future of of the All Blacks is, is still going to be elite. So it, he should be, I think, sweet until France. 
Okay. Well, the, that's, you talk about that and the, 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 the kind of it, it runs itself, but it did run itself when you had Richard McCaw as the boss. You had Kevin Mialamu, who everyone was, 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 because he was so well behaved, everyone was scared to go in front of him and say, look, oops, I, I stepped out of line. Not because they were scared of him physically or anything, just because of the mana he had and the fact that he, yeah, he didn't make, he didn't set out a line. So hence, uh, it was just embarrassing to say that to him. When you had those guys, when you had Dan Carter running things in the backs, uh, when you had those guys there, yes, it just ran itself um, to a certain degree. With Kieran Reid leaving now, he's the last of that kind of crowd. Uh, and the, the, the 2015, that 2011-2015 crowd now are all gone. Um, and so I'm not sure that this crowd runs itself quite so quite so much. Maybe a Retallick, maybe a Bowden Barrett, um, but I, I don't think it's sort of as handle-turny. So if you look at that back line in the, in the World Cup final, Bowden Barrett um, was the only guy with sort of multiple caps. Everyone else had been only been there for two years, um, effectively. So it's a brand new back line. It's not quite, doesn't, doesn't have that... Um, those guys around with six, eight years of experience to just handle turn. It is a it is a very young squad, especially in the backs, that Ian Foster is is taking over. Yeah, well, I mean, it all starts somewhere, though, doesn't it? I mean, you go back to, what, 2008, 2009, or, you know, those sort of years, pre-2007, I mean, even those years then. Those, we probably said, or would have said the same sort of thing back then. Unfortunately, um, my channel's not quite that old, thank goodness. But uh, it all it all starts somewhere. I mean, I remember back in the day when Dan Carter debuted, I thought I thought it was a terrible call. I thought this kid was too young. Um, what was he, you 19? I thought, no, Andrew Mertens, man, what are you doing? It's like you're putting in this 19, 20-year-old. Um, but, you know, now you look at it back and say, Andrew who? I mean, Dan Carter is the god of number 10. So there's no one equal to him. Um who knows what's going to come out of the woodwork? This is what well, this is the most exciting, I think, time of rugby. Um, the World Cup's finished. Yes, it was great. It was brilliant. But that chapter's closed. And now, again, we look back and we see all those holes in Super Rugby teams, all these new players throughout Super Rugby, all these guys coming up from the Mighty Team Cup, um, coming up from everywhere. Not only here, but you look at it in the north, everywhere around the, the rugby globe, there's all these new emerging talents that are just looking like they're ready and, and about to pump into it. What are they going to, are they going to cut the mustard at that level? Are they, you know, we're at that stage again of seeing all this new exciting talent bursting to get back on that stage. And it's just such an exciting time. So who knows what you're going to get? It's the next drone Kino sitting there, you know, in counties Manukau ready to burst no. into the scene or, or something like that. <laughs> I agree. Nothing comes out of Auckland. Have you been sat in the counties Manukau um, press room? <laughs> Um, for I think three out of their five home games. No, um, the, the next Look, drone Kano is, is the next drone Kano yeah. sitting in the test when Marco's changing shit. That's what we'll go with and said. All, all the stags, who knows? Yeah, that's the thing. The there, there, there could be all this talent that just, you know, my team cup to super rugby, that next step, these players just develop, they evolve. And in, in four years' time, you know, we could be sitting here with, with so many guys sitting on, you know, I don't know, 40 odd caps or, or so, or however they may have, hey, 30, 40 caps, yeah. Getting in there and, and, and stretching at that next level. In that four years' time, the, it might be a handle turny kind of. It might be a self-running squad. I just think that at the moment it's not, and that he has to. He, part of his job for the next two or three years is getting is maintain or refreshing that culture that the guys know that what it means to be an international player. But you're right. This is an exciting time, especially at international level. The 
um, the Rugby World Cup champions have uh, changed their coach. And let's be honest, two years ago, they lost by over 40 points to the All Blacks. So that's that, that's all brand new. Um, we've seen the end of Warren Gatland in Wales. That's, that's 12 years he was there. So it's, it's all brand new and fresh in Wales. Um, Joe Schmidt was in Ireland for about eight years, I think it was eight or 10 years. Um, so again, uh, another changing and uh, another long, long, long-term change. You've got a change here in the All Blacks. Um, the, the, the last of the three wise men has, uh, has stepped aside. We have, so we are at a real exciting point. In, uh, Dave Rennie, um, can, can the second um, Kiwi coach um, for the Wallabies actually work? Um, when you all think back um, that uh, Dingo Deans actually was be- had a better record than the guys who followed him. So, hey, it wasn't, he wasn't as bad as everyone. everyone uh, the, the longer he's been out of the job, the better he looks in it. Um, the, but, you've, yeah, there is this big change at the moment in uh, international rugby. There are a couple of guys sticking around, Eddie Jones, but is he there for two or four years? He's only got his contract for two more years. Uh, Gregor Townsend, but yeah, he's not really cut the mustard yet, has he, with um, with Scotland when it comes to comp- when it comes to tournament play? So yeah, yeah, it is all new, it is all fresh, it is all um, uh, it, it is an exciting time. Uh, there aren't there are, it's the end of a bunch of dynasties. Uh, here we go, uh, it, it's it's going to be fun. We said very similar things, didn't we, in the end of 2015, where it was, was it the eight uh, All Blacks retired, the, that, that massive core. You know, there was so much talk around that about the New Zealand rugby is going to collapse because there was such a, a hefty amount of caps. I mean, and you look back at that now, four years on, I'm sure that, that, was, that was a golden generation of, of rugby, full stop, let alone New Zealand rugby. But there's still stars. You know, new players have emerged. New players have come in and gone again before that cycle was complete. So, you know, in another four years, we're going to have stars, we're going to lose stars, and new stars are going to come through. It's just the way that it goes. Everyone's been here before. Big, Everyone's gone through rebuilding stages. The big difference between 2015 and now is that you had the, sta- you had the stability of coaches. Um, you had these other coaches who were around for a long time, and you Warren Gatlands and your Schmitz. This time, it's a lot. Uh, you, pretty much every team, every, every Tier 1 team has got a new ish coach the only exception is probably England everybody else got a new coach Ledesma has only been there for a year um, who's still there um, Townsend's only been there a couple of years uh, he's still really finding his feet um, so pretty much every single one has got a has, has got a new coach so it is it's yeah it, it is it is fun and games how um, much do we look at this as like it's a football like in, in the northern hemisphere like in, in England and in Europe the managers change there like a pair of socks. Really, really is. You get years and years and years out of managers. Are we turning into like a sport? Just how much impact do these guys have? They have normally immediate impact um, and then fall away quite quickly. You know, I'd start to wonder how much impact they have before they probably get found out at, that, at those sort of levels with those sort of players. And really how much is coming down to that elite sport is... 95% players, and a little bit of difference comes from what a coach can do. Um, yes and no. I mean, if you look at something like uh, Northampton Saints, for example, um, they're a side who were looking like potentially fading and, and, and dropping out. The, the number of the, their squad isn't that different than it was um, when Chris Boyd took over, but suddenly they're top of the table because um, he's. Bre- if you look at look what Pat Lamb's done um, at Bristol, sure. They've paid a lot of money for some of those players, uh, and they've bought in quite a bit of a squad. But he's also brought through a bunch of young players, and it, and it, and yeah, he has gelled them 
um, and meant that they came up and they were going to stay up. They've had money before to come up and they've fallen straight back down again. So, no, coaches to me um, are extremely important. Um, and I think rugby, unlike uh, a lot of other sports, you do it, it is more about building um, because you've got 15 players on the pitch. So each individual player is a bit more diluted. It's not like basketball where you've only got five players. If you, if you, if you replace one of them, that's 20% of the team changed. If you replace one of 15, and it's now a 23-man squad game, um, so you have to get yep. all those 23 players working together, not just five or, or whatever it is. Um, and it is such a... Uh, everything is... You have to know exactly where they are. Because at the end of the day, it's a game that's played by about 14 or, or of, of, of about 28 of the players on the pitch in, in a space of about only 10 metres. It's not like football where you've got 20, 22 players spread over the whole pitch because you can kick it the full length or at least mm. three quarters of the pitch um, the whole game. Whereas with rugby, it's, it's, it's a pretty narrow gap of the pitch that's actually used during the game. You've got one guy who hangs well back just to catch a kick, but everything else is really quite tight. So if you get it wrong, there's another pair of hands in there to nick it off you. So it's, it's a very... I think it's. I, I think those combinations and about building teams is much more important in rugby than perhaps in other sports. I don't know. Mm. Maybe I'm just um, one of those people who just. Yeah, maybe maybe it's because I'm in in the bubble. But I don't know. <laughs> the other thing they said, which is going to be, which I guess leaves some, something for us to debate, is he's going to have four assistants. Um, now and they said, oh sorry, but we can't say who they are going to be. So. Who do you think? Uh, uh, do you think it is the, the 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 kind of the ones that have been mentioned? I mean, who do you think he's going to be getting, uh, or at least going to be one? Of, be, be those four guys. It's a tough call because no one is really leaps and bounds jumping at any any of those spots, are they? I think a lot of people need to need to think about these spots as as I talked about before the future. Of, of the head coaches, where this is going to come from, isn't it? So I, I look at a guy like oh, Scott Robinson's the man at the moment, isn't he? He's all the talk, but he is very much, I'm a head coach, and I'm going to go a head coach wherever I go. Um, I don't think if they said to him, hey, you want to be assistant to, to Foster, you would have gone, yeah, no, nah, I'll stay at the Crusaders, thanks. Um, and that's just the way he kind of rolls. Um, so you're going to look at guys that are, kind of un under the spotlight a bit, are kind of not really in that top frame of mind. So it's going to be, I think, a bit of a surprise, but I do hope that it's not Leon McDonald. <laughs> I, I just don't see, I just don't have the time for him, to be completely honest. As a player, as a coach, um, I kind of think he's fallen a bit behind the mark, but you've got some definitely talented guys in there. Um, like you listed, the big favourite well, guys. Let's just have a quick look at Leon McDonald. He, yes. He, he okay. was rumoured. Um, to be part of it. And he said, apparently, no, I'm happy at the Blues. Um, Yay! Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of thinking, why would you be talking to him? I mean, what is his coaching pedigree? Um, so Nothing. He's coached Tasman as an assistant, Tasman as a head coach, and not won anything for three years. Um, was an assistant of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the Crusaders and has been head coach at the Blues for one year. It's like, what? What? You're talking about him being one of the top choices of, of an assistant coach. Wow, this this guy. Okay, he's been he's been coaching for nine years, but he hasn't really set the world on fire. Let's be honest. So yeah, I I, I was I was extremely surprised when I saw out the door. 
Um, see you, Leon. So I uh, see him, him, him being <laughs> rumoured. Uh, yeah, I, I can't see him being part of it. One name I can see, though, um, is because you, you say the All Blacks and the New Zealand setup is all about continuity, right? So we had, as you say, the three wise men for eight years. Um, Graham Henry uh, stepped aside. Steve Hansen was there, but um, I've gone blank as to the attack guru guy. Uh, Wayne Smith stuck, Wayne stuck Smith. around with him um, initially and then so went off to the Chiefs and came back again. So uh, there was that kind of um, uh, consistency thing in there. So I, I think Scott McLeod, who's been running the All Blacks defence, has been doing a pretty good job. I think he's going to be sticking around there as well. Yeah, I mean, you don't change if it's not well. It's not particularly broken, is it? I mean, you want to, yeah, you want to keep as much as you can together, and uh, that's what I want to try and do, and keep those guys with it. But um, I, I think there could be a lot, a lot to be desired of improvement um, with what they can get out of these players. So I'm, I'm just, I'm not sold on on these front running guys to do this job. So I'm, I'm a bit hesitant as to what, you know, how much they really like. You talked about Leon McDonald, how much they've really offered um, coaching wise. In the past, you know, you talked about Wayne Smith. He had a really amazing pedigree, didn't he? Um, for years, he, he was just a, a leading sort of coach, and you knew about it because you knew what he achieved. But these other guys, I mean, Plumtree's been around for a while. Um, well, let's let's he's probably let, a guy. Let's take, let's take one at a time. So we've said Scott, so we're, we're, okay. we're, we're, we're pretty much um, we, we think Scott McLeod will stick around with with Ian Foster mm. as that defence coach, and that I would be very, very surprised if he didn't. So um, if you look at some um, Plumtree. Uh, so let's let's run through his his um, coaching record uh, was with Swansea, um, spent five years at uh, uh, with Wellington, um, went over to the Sharks was assistant before he was head coach there for four years, went over was assistant of um, at Ireland so he's got some international um, experience, came back um, as an assistant for the um, the Hurricanes obviously winning uh, as an assistant coach the Super Rugby title, um, and then also. Was uh, was was the chap was the Japan assistant for for one year? Um, actually, it says uh, maybe two years. Oh, I forgot he's up, up there as well. So um, he's got that international experience working with 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 Ireland, working with Japan, which is what the All Blacks like to see. Um, I think he as a as a as a forwards coach, he is uh, highly rated, and um, he uh, and yeah, he's got that super he's got that super rugby um, title as well. But you're, 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 I see yep. you're, you're not convinced. Well, I, I, I agree with what you said about Plumtree, about that international experience. Um, well, I was going to mention, I, I do know we know to the uh, Northern Hemisphere and there's a little time for Sharks as well, which I think is going to be massive. They like that. Mm. And it seems to be a thing that they like to learn the trade in New Zealand, apply it overseas, kind of toughen it in a more different environment, and then bring it back and then have that kind of cultured sort of idea around home, away, uh, and everything together. So that's going to definitely count in his favour, which, yeah, it's got, got to put him up there as one of the favourites, I think, in my opinion. Um, he, he's done good work. I mean, he has been around a long time, and he's been, I think you could argue, he's been relatively successful too, um, especially the time with the Hurricanes, which you've seen, um, which you've really said about. Yeah, so Craig um, Krebstahl was saying, I want an assistant coach to improve our forward play. Well, there you go. Plumtree is probably going to be the man, um, to be honest. Uh, to, to, to do that. Um, uh, Maxim, before I get on to your... Uh, so for everyone who's listening to the podcast, by the way, we're live at 8pm every Tuesday night. So come and watch the show. You can put comments in the live chat on YouTube 
Uh, Maxim, we'll come back. Maxim, we'll come back to your suggestion in a second. But continuing on the forwards um, side of things uh, to to assist Plumtree, there's talk of Greg Feek coming in. Um, now, for those people who I mean, he's a name that I had to quickly Google because I was like, who's Greg Feek? He's not <laughs> high. He's not high profile um, in the same Dear way. Me. Um, but um, you can get your. Zebrian's going to be after your head. Okay, do you want to quickly give, give me an overview of his, of his playing career, then I'll, then I'll run through his coaching career so far. Canterbury. Canterbury, Canterbury, Canterbury. Crusaders. Greg Feek, All Blacks. Um, Position? Prop. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know which side. I think, I think a tight head. I could be wrong. But yeah, definitely a, a dominant Crusaders time. I mean, what hasn't been, but yeah. Um, a really good prop, probably you know, in, the, in the Greg Somerville sort of era, um, was, was with Greg Feek. Um, solid, solid player, not world elite, um, but definitely kind of that uh, bench sort of level all black player, I guess you could call him. Um, really good at super rugby level. I think technique wise, in that sort of you know, not being the expansive open play props that you're seeing around, but I think the scrum sort of that down and dirty sort of stuff, um, should certainly be his cup of tea, but. I'll let you carry on because there's something that does concern me about him. Okay, so then his so his um, his choice uh, or sorry his experience as as as, as a coach um, he was Ford's coach for the Hurricanes for a couple of years uh, or for one year sorry um, he then went over to Leinster in Ireland where he was a scrum coach um, with um, with Schmidt I think moved with Schmidt up to Ireland has been the um, Ireland scrum coach for the past five years um, so and Ireland look Ireland. Up to number one in the world this year, uh, the only team to beat the All Blacks twice in the last um, rugby, uh, the last rugby World Cup cycle, uh, clearly has had a good, um, a, a, a good record with the uh, with, with Ireland. Um, doing a bit of work with the NEC Green Rockets, I believe that's in um, yeah. Japan. Yep. But uh, so again, international experience, gone overseas, come back again. Uh, I say under Schmidt. Done, done, done pretty well. What are your your thoughts on um, on that then? Why, why, why my, my, criticism, my criticism was uh, slight, slightly tongue in cheek in the saying of that Ireland at the World Cup. Um, yeah, Ireland's forward pack has been dominant, hasn't it? It's been a, a standout probably of their play, I do think, what they've got out of, especially um, their back row. I think it's been phenomenal. Whether they've had much to do with that, I'm not sure, but the experience, the guys, their front row, of Ireland has been elite, uh, really. And they've got guys that have been around for ages, guys that are playing at a top level for a long, long time, and guys that are stepping it up with, with the best in the world. And really, that's all we can ask for. World Cup, I think when you're talking Ireland and World Cups, we just don't say anything else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's taking a lot of flack for, for, for what happened in the World Cup. And basically, they, they, they just um, uh, they stagnated, let's be honest. They didn't evolve when they needed to. Now, so, so we so so we basically talked about the forward, we talked about the defence coach, the forwards coach, and the scrum coach, which leaves you one more, um, which is probably going to be uh, kind of an attack style, attack slash skills kind of coach. Max Mahoro in the in the live chat suggests um, here the sense that Ronan Nagara could be one of them. Do you think could could, could Ronan come in as that skills slash attack coach? Do you think? Could he definitely? Uh, would he? Would be an interesting thing. Um, where does his loyalties lie? Um, but um, would he do a good job? I think he'd be a fantastic job at it. He 
uh, has proved, I think, at the Crusaders how much of a bit of an asset he is uh, with his involvement in that team, uh, with the way that they play. And I think probably from watching him at his time in Super Rugby would rival the likes of uh, Tony Brown, who I think is the best kind of attacking backs coach in the world at the moment. What he can offer any team is invaluable. Whoever, you know, he's obviously staying for Japan, but in future, he's obviously got a long career still ahead of him and to be peaking so early is, is just fantastic for him. But, you know, Gara's probably the only other guy that's kind of shown his, his wares and ability, I guess, in a uh, in an environment where that sort of play is quite encouraged. The Crusaders are a team that does take that on brilliantly as well. So I think he'd be brilliant. I think it'd be great. I wonder who would probably have more hesitation, whether it would be the um, New Zealand rugby at offering him a position like that, being an Irishman, or it would be him himself um, going back, uh, going, you know, coming back to New Zealand and, and going into that role with the All Blacks. I don't know. I think they'd both be a bit hesitant at it. Um, but, I mean, it would be amazing. I, I would have no problems with that at all. Well, so a couple of things. I mean, first off, he's currently, or he's moved from the Crusaders to La Rochelle as the head yes. coach. So, A, you'd have to buy out that contract with La Rochelle, which would be a chunk of change. Let's be blunt. Um, plus, Ron O'Gara's relationship was with Razor. It wasn't with New Zealand Rugby as such. I don't think... I can see him coming into the New Zealand setup under Ian Foster. If Razor was in there, yes, I would, I, oh, I would different say story. That there's a fair chance. Under Ian Foster, um, I think it's somewhere between. I, I think it's a very, very slim chance he'll get that role. Another name, sorry, last comment, or, or do we move on to another name? Oh, just <laughs> it's just when you kind of said that, it's kind of slightly off topic a bit, but I think what you just said there about how the head coach kind of will affect his assistants. Gives you a sort of indication as to the way that the All Blacks kind of uh, focus of play would be. You've got kind of a very forward-based, not so much defensive, but very, you know, short play, not not attacking and open sort of play. You've got a, a very tight sort of style, I guess, with with the coaching staff and that team. I, I don't know. You get that sort of impression as well with the likes of Foster and and those sort of guys and. Especially when you're going to talk about next, that completely wipes me off this. But um, yeah, they kind of have that feel about them. Well, yeah, maybe. But uh, the the name I'm going to come up with next is actually not in the document, so, so it's not for anyone. So, so I'm, oh, I'm, I'm okay. a curveball cool. at you for the next name, because the next Go name for it. That, that, that's been suggested is that Joe Schmidt. Um, it's been suggested he wants <laughs> he's that he's wants six months out of rugby, which would mean he becomes available uh, basically around June, just before the July tests, uh, the July summer tour. Um, so what would you think of Joe Smith coming into that attack role? Uh, again, another one that's been rumoured. Um, one that I thought he wanted longer out than, 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 six, than, than six months. And I'm not sure he'd want the amount of travel that comes with being an All Blacks coach away from his family. But, um, but it has been, his name has been thrown out as being one of the possibilities as well. I think it would definitely suit him. Um, because I think he's going to be wanting out of that spotlight of a head coach role for for a bit of time before <laughs> the flackies. I think unfairly, um, but yeah, he's taken quite a bit of stick um, from from the aftermath of that Irish uh, World Cup um, campaign. But you know, I mean, what what wouldn't you want about that? The experience, um, the ability shown, obviously huge capability in a head coach role. So to have a guy that can coach at the top level. You know, as a head, um, backing up 
as an assistant, it, it would be a dream, wouldn't it? So, yeah, the Grey, that'd be amazing if he would um, come back into that role. I'll be surprised, too, if he did go back that quickly to something high-profile like that. Um, but, I mean, definitely, it'll be first name on the uh, on the um, shortlist if he would come about, if that was a, a viable option. Um, roll it in, yeah, get him in. I, I guess, yeah, you could probably sit around for six months, can't you, on your hands and knees and, and, and wait for him to be ready. So yeah, so, okay, so, 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 you, so you, you'd be very happy with that one. So the one that you're, yeah. the one, the one that you thought I was <laughs> going to go with, that you're not so happy with, by the sounds of things, and I, I here with the, I had some idea as to Greg Feek was, I had absolutely zero oh, idea no. as to who this next guy was. Don't you live in Hamilton? I do live in <sighs> Hamilton, but even so, David Hill, I hardly high-profile uh, coach of well i was like hardly hope of old player um so he but, played for the stags so you might want to add that to your list um he, he is a a great old-fashioned number 10 he'll catch the ball and he'll kick it away and that is david hill um pretty much a stephen donald clone i guess probably a pre-stephen donald ish kind of clone um yeah i mean He's a super rugby level player. Didn't really set the world on fire, like you said, but he's probably, I think, he's probably been a bit more effective as a coach than he's been as a player, which doesn't say too much. But the fact that he would kind of be in control of that, you know, attack or, or skills, whatever you want to call it, that would be concerning. This is my point. He, as, as far as I can see, and it's taken some digging to try and find out what his coaching <laughs> record, what his coaching record is. Greg Peak, it, you, you, one quick Google search, bang, you know what he's done. David Hill, <laughs> no, it takes, it, it, it takes a bit of digging. So, um, but from what I can see, um, he's been uh, is that basically he's been assistant coach at a number of places, but generally as a skills coach, not as a attack coach, um, which suggests that maybe Ian Foster wants to t- wants to keep the reins of the attack. Um, uh, himself, and therefore have, um, uh, and therefore have a guy who just deal, does the skills because he's going to deal, deal with the attack. Does uh, which works? That's what the, that's what this kind of name suggests to me is that yeah, is that Foster's going to stay the attack coach. It kind of screams a little bit of there's not too many options. It's really not a huge amount of depth in, in those roles. So. David Hill hasn't been a coach for long, if I'm, I'm not hugely mistaken. I mean, he probably only retired maybe six, five, six years ago. Um, I could be possibly wrong on that, but he did play quite mid into his 30s. Um, so, I mean, he's not a hugely experienced coach as well. Certainly doesn't have that experience internationally like these other guys we've talked about has. Um, I mean, he's, only 40, skills, he's only 41, oh. so you're right. Yeah, he's, got, he's, 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 he's a very young coach. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, skills. I mean, he, he was a most skillful player. So, you know, you got to have the skills to teach the skills. <laughs> um, it's interesting. <laughs> He's done a bit of work in Japan, um, also has been at Bay of Plenty, has worked with the under-20s. Now, let's be honest, New Zealand rugby likes to hire people who have been who coached the Baby Blacks. They, they, they like to bring people through that under-20s program. Um, so he's gone through the kind of, or he's going through the kind of New Zealand rugby uh, pathway that they like. Um, so 
there is so that that's the only thing that made me go okay this is actually a, this is this is a decent um uh, this is a decent name it's not just a uh this is not just someone just throwing something out there this this is actually there is some legitimacy behind um behind this and then he's yeah currently he's a skills coach at some um, the, the chiefs um now at least he's not the strength and conditioning coach with the chiefs because the chiefs can't be more fit <laughs> so um the and if you look at the skills I, I, they, they were okay last year i mean not great um so wow um if he gets in there to me that says ian foss is the attack coach and he's purely skills it's an interesting one i yeah I, it, that, that does not blow me away but then again, as I say, I don't really know much about him from that point of view. Um, Craig in the in the live chat goes and says, yeah, Foster's style of play, he wants to play, fascinates and terrifies me at the same time. He thinks it's a bit of a loose style of play. You're suggesting it's actually a bit of a forwards-orientated tight style of play. It's kind of interesting, Ooh. isn't it? It's a fun as to how, where this is going to be. And Ian Foster thinks that, um, uh, that Jordy Barrett can play wing. So I do have some oh. question marks over his kind of... Um, uh, it's that kind of thing. My question was around Ian Foster actually are, are more around his. Actually, first off, I'll let you go on solid play, and then I'll say why I'm, I'm concerned about Ian Foster. Sorry, what was that, Pat? I'll, I'll let you talk about solid play. Uh, is, you think it's to be tight or think it's loose? A tad loose as crazy. Oh, Foster. Yeah. Um, I, th I think it'll be fight, uh, tight. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, along, along with the guys that are possibly going to be alongside him. But, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see the big expansive sort of stuff from him that, that's just my initial impressions are. I think he's the kind of guy that's going to like to keep it tightly keep it forward keep it I don't know it's safe safe rugby I guess I don't see him as a risk taker um, more of a conservative sort of coach so yeah I mean that's that's kind of impression of, of his input probably as his demeanour as a person probably more than I've already seen more of it as a coach sort of thing so a long shot guess yeah, interesting one. Um, a couple of Maxima comments in here. I mean, first off, he thinks that Joe might not be a good personality fit with Fozzie uh, in the driver's seat. Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't know what kind of relationship the two of them might have had in the past. Uh, admittedly, I've seen Schmidt more as a head coach, obviously in recently, recent years than as an assistant. Um, but he doesn't seem to... I think he's, he seems to be the kind of guy who's more... who I think works within cultures rather than necessarily bashes heads together. So I think I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not so concerned about that. The one that's um, that, that's uh, the next question though: Could we see Tanner Amanga come in in the context about Sonny Bill Williams' views about the All Blacks having more, having um, many Marys and Pacific Islanders in the mix, or having more of them in the mix from a coaching point of view? Short answer: No. <laughs> after what Tanner uh, uh, Tanner really needs to go away and rebuild his career after the disaster he's had at the Blues. Put bluntly, he was the he was the water boy last year. That gives you an idea as to how far he fell from being head coach to water boy. He wasn't even in the coach's box. He's kind of, his reputation is taken a bit of a knock, isn't it? I think because he, he did launch off the reputation of what he had. Because um, he's with Toulon, didn't he? He started there um, he, he did, he when was, he retired. He up. Toulon as an assistant, I think he was there when he was head coach yep. at um, County's Manukau. Did, did a good job there. And then suddenly the was, blues. Just, uh, was, was, was at the Blues. Um, more perhaps, yes, he was doing well coaching, but he only had what four or five years in there. Well, if you look at some of the some of the um, uh, some of the minor ten cup coaches around now um, that, that that are doing good jobs, you're like, well, wow, Tanner was was in and out real quick. Um, 
people like Tom Coventry have went have gone into gone into assistant roles and stuff coming through that. Um, Craig McMillan can't find a Super Rugby role at the moment. Um, the in someone a good like um, oh I've gone blank. The guy was at some um, Taranaki and won the won the title there and then went to the Chiefs. Um, uh, Cooper. No, your place. Colin Cooper. O'Connor. Oh, Cooper. Yeah, um, Cooper. Yeah. Um, yeah. Colin Cooper. Colin Cooper. I and mean, he'd already yeah. been at the Hurricanes uh, as an assistant, gone back to my attendant and then stepped up. Yeah. Tanner got, 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 was, was really quick through there. And I think needed a few more years and needs to go away and yeah, do a few more years before stepping back up an international level. No. If you're looking for someone of Ireland or Maori descent for, or, or culture for, 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 for a role, what about someone like um, Tobias Matson, who is at um, the Chiefs currently, and that's the sort of person who I think has got the uh, got the experience, got the things under, the, got got the sort of the um, got got the CV, who I could see as being as someone who could who who, who would be up in that. Who, who, if you're looking for a, a person of Pacifica um, culture, you kind of gone too too linked to the comparisons there, haven't you? You've gone for a guy. <laughs> And Metzen, who was not a fantastic player, uh, a decent player, uh, to Umanga, of course, who, who was an elite player, um, and, and the differences in coaching. Uh, Metzen has made a quite a quite an impact as a coach uh, throughout the levels. He's been around for a wee while now as well, and actually at a good level um, has actually shown his effect. Whereas Umanga has actually gone on his reputation two probably roles too big for him too early too soon, um, and I guess he's feeling those effects now. Whereas on the other case, going through from the bottom, a little bit of backing. You know, he's going to know guys in in that zone and in, in the industry and in, in those areas that are obviously going to help him get along. But he, I think he's done the hard yards and is actually proving it. Definitely, that's a good shout for a name. I think he'll be one uh, that will be talked about in future years. You say that, and Tobias Matson's only um, only forty six. He's mm-hmm. not. So you I mean you say he's going through the yards? I mean, sure. Uh, it's say so he's what two thousand. He, he would have ten, twelve years coaching. 2005, he started coaching mm-hmm. with the Yamaha Jubilo up in Japan, I'm guessing. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, somewhere. Um, so, no, he was player coach up there, actually. Um, so, yeah, so he finished coaching. Well, he finished playing in 2006. Um, and, uh, and Gold Coast Breakers, is that a... I don't know if that's a rugby union team or if that's a rugby league team, to be honest. But um, anyway, um, but yeah, Canterbury assistant. Canterbury is a head coach. Crusaders is an assistant. Fiji attack coach for for a season um, over in Bath um, and now back at um, back at the Chiefs. Yeah, he's got he's gone and done some. You say he's got some yards um, under the belt. So, uh, yeah, I, I think yeah that, that that to me he's the kind of one that jumps out to me if you're looking for a because um, also your Pat Lambs, your Jamie Josephs are not available. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, Joseph's probably the most wanted coach in world rugby, don't you reckon? He's definitely up there, and uh, yeah, as, as as Craig says in the chat, um, if Jamie Joseph had been appointed, I'd been happy. I'd be very happy for two reasons: one, because of Jamie Joseph, and two, because he bring Tony Brown in there. I think Tony yeah. Brown is a guy you want in the All Black setup as soon as possible. He is a guy that yeah, really, really, really has got some attacking um, now about him. He's the next Wayne Smith, definitely. Absolutely, yeah, totally agree. Um, so I think we've probably done uh, 45 minutes on on, on, on an appointment <laughs> that we knew was going to happen anyway. 
So I think we've done pretty well there. Um, a couple of other things that have come up recently, and I said we're going to talk about the top of the thing. Um, Christchurch Stadium. Have you had a? Have you seen the uh, proposed twenty-five thousand seater stadium they're going to put it up there? I have seen our briefs looks at it. Yeah, I mean, it's the only way to go, isn't it? It really is. You, you've got to go off a stadium like that, and and Dunedin is by far and away the perfect example of why. Um, so yeah, no question about twenty-five thousand though. But like, yeah, a bit like I think that's. Um, but um, that's point. You're going to fill it once a year for for, for an All Blacks Test match. And that's it. So, do you really build a stadium for one game a year uh, that you might not get every year? Um, because they're going to alternate a test between Foysoft Bar uh, and um, it was between Dunedin and Christchurch. They'll have one test there each year between the two of them. Um, so you get a test every other year. Building a building a stadium for that one game every other year, I, I don't think it's viable. Um, they've already said that actually uh, that, that it's going that it's going to run at a loss. Every year, they've already, they've already know it's going to run at a loss, and the, the council's going to have to top it up. Um, but uh, the extra benefits around having a proper stadium, which they do need, are mm. uh, just just mean that they yeah they, 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 they yeah the council have to subsidise it. So the bigger you go, the more subsidising subsidising you do, the less likely you are to get voted back in. I think it's it's kind of an accepted thing, isn't it? With stadiums, I mean, generally they're going to run at a loss, unless you're going to be at the, with, the, with that top sort of thing, pulling in big events, you've you got to kind of accept it. A, a little place on the grand scheme of things, like Dunedin or Christchurch is, it's, it's, not, it's not Barcelona. I mean, it's not anything like that. You're not going to be pulling in, you know, 70, 80,000 people, like you say, on, on a regular basis. No, so, I mean... If you look at the... If you look at the... The Viva Premiership, the teams... Not the Premiership, the Gallagher Premiership, sorry. The teams there that do well are the teams that own their own grounds because they make a profit out of their ground. Now they run a profit, so I don't understand how they're going to, how they're running a loss for this stadium. To me, it just that seems crazy, um, and I think that, that they've designed it wrong if they're going to come up with a loss. The way the way to build a, a stadium is to build it as a convention centre that happens to mm. be shaped like a stadium, so you can use it every day of the year for something. It's either being used for I think game or it's being used for um, for shows. That uh, stadium in Japan, I can't remember the name of it, but it got quite a bit of publicity when it changed out from that baseball stadium. They had yeah. that swivel base on it. They shunted out the baseball uh, pitch and then came a rugby field, twisted around. Stadium made from a whatever that kind of triangular shape is that a, that a baseball field is <laughs> into a rectangular shape. That is the future. You've got to be able to play multiple sports and be able to do that sort of thing. No, no, no. If you try and design a, a stadium that's nope. not robotic like that and is, is that, that's not a transformer, you end up with yeah. the stadium like either Eden Park or the Cape Tin, whatever it's called nowadays, what Sky Park or whatever it's called. I think Sky has sponsored it now. Um, or mm. what used to be ASB Stadium, I think it is down in, down in, down in um, Wellington. Those stadiums are awful because they're not big enough for cricket but they're too big for rugby and that's the problem to, they try to be both and they're neither new zealand sport kind of is the problem because <laughs> cricket and rugby are so opposite things yeah you, you can't kind of make a cricket stadium rugby stadium if we uh, were more into like 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 the japanese and into baseball or something that's a lot more of a doable thing it takes even a smaller area uh, sort of than a rugby field would kind of 
Um, so I think that's a problem. Is that because number two sport is cricket? You can't turn it into that when that Forsyth Bar Stadium. I mean, you'll be hit the roof every couple of balls there. It's like I mean, even Johnny Wilkinson was doing that in the World Cup um, in the warm-ups <laughs> when England played down there. Uh, that that was the goal of warm-ups was to hit the roof of the ball. So yeah, it, it's just not uh, feasible to do that sort of thing. But indoor stadiums are the way to go. I mean, if if you haven't been to a Forsyth Bar Stadium you should go because it is a stadium that can make and create an amazing atmosphere whether you've got a packed house um, or you don't. Um, I've been to events there, went to a Phoenix match, which is a football team, and only probably a quarter of the stadium was even had any people in it. It was booked at a terrible time. University was on holiday. No one was in Dunedin at all. <laughs> and it felt like the stadium was full just because of the way that that stadium creates the atmosphere, keeps the sound in. It just sounds amazing regardless of what you go on there. Pack it out, um, and it's just it's phenomenal. So it's the way to go. Christchurch is a great supporter of that team. So I think they're going to get good crowds there. They should always get it. But, um, I mean, you're going in a circle, aren't you, just about going back here to the fact that New Zealand rugby doesn't get the crowds that they probably want to get. They don't get the tickets through the gates, and you're just starting a whole new cycle of, of the problem um, with getting bums on seats at rugby games. But... Uh, it had to happen. I mean, how long have they had that little league stadium, which is, uh, I guess it's been kind of cute, but overall it's it's not really cut the mustard in it. They've got to do something um, there in an indoor stadium. It's the way to go. But it does beg one question, though. How is it going to affect? We've seen the Highlanders, when they play under that roof for so long, and then they go over to... Uh, what is it in Canberra when they have the terrible weather over there and play the Brumbies? And, that, you know, they go to what... You know, the Highlanders are always that team that they'll come even down here into Southland and they'll play. It'll be, you know, two degrees and it'll be pouring with rain and there'll be, you know, an, an inch of water under their feet. They kind of get acclimatised because they're always in the Sunderroof Stadium. As amazing as it is, there are still stadiums around the world that are out, outdoors. It's still a winter sport. Is that going to have a long-term effect when you've got, let's be fair, uh, the better half of New Zealand rugby uh, in the South <laughs> playing in an under, <laughs> under-roof stadium? <laughs> it's, it's going to have an effect, doesn't it, with that, having that all the time um, yeah, with so, so much, I, such core of these players? But you're right. It's got to be, it's got to be, it's got to, it's got to be an enclosed stadium. Uh, mm. The weather's not nice in Christchurch. If you want to get people to turn up uh, and get off their sofas at home, <laughs> you've got to give them a dry place to watch, to be honest. Um so yeah, so that's what's going to happen there. I don't think I don't think they should run at a loss, but that's yeah. I'm not an expert on 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 coaches. Uh, sorry, on on on, uh, on stadiums. Um, on money, 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 money. Um, New Zealand Rugby Players Awards, Rugby Players Association Players Awards were announced this week. Um, let's just run through who they are and give them a little sort of golf clap. But um, players, young player of the year. Um, Moni Nawa, uh, who played Bear Plenty, has got himself a contract with the Blues. Um, very good young player. Um, yep. A little bit surprised that um, uh, that uh, Quinta Pyre perhaps didn't um, uh, didn't take it. To be honest with you, uh, I think I was more impressed with him this year. Um, Lester Fayanga Vainuku um, has got himself a contract with the, um, the Crusaders. He got some. Um, Lau Fakataba had a great season with with Hawks Bay. He's down with the Highlanders. Simone Havili was with the Tasman. Tasman, yeah. yeah Tasman. Yep. 
Um, I'm not sure if he's got a super contract, actually. Uh, so those were the uh, the other nominees there. But um, Emmanuel Noir, yep, very good good choice. Um, players might attend Cup Player of the Year. Winner there, Chase Tiatia. Again, uh, Bay of Plenty. Um, they had a really good season this season. And yeah, he was fantastic for them. Um, Gareth Evans, um, Villamoni Corai, who, uh, who played for Otago, was really good. Um, and then also um, Deplice Karifi were the other nominees there. But yeah, Chase Tiatia was fantastic. Havili plays for the Crusaders, just uh, by the way. 2020 contract. Are we? Okay. There we are, that's good. Um, player Super Rugby Player of the Year, Sevu Reese. Wow. For a guy who'd started the season without a contract and was just on the extent and, and only got in there because Israel Dad got injured. Um, that's uh, he has had some mighty season, hasn't he? Oh, uh, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. He's been a revelation of years, and it? it's been from probably the lows of all lows, um, and just gone like a, a rocket straight out the other side um, to just about the ultimate finish for him, but. He's had a great, great year. Turned a, a whole new leaf for his life, probably more than anything, hasn't it? Um, over the last twelve months, so great for him. He was on a great company of names here, wasn't it? But I, I look at that list and I just, I feel sorry for Brad Weber. Oh, what does the guy have to do? <laughs> he got to yeah. the World Cup. I mean, which is amazing for him. But oh, poor Brad. I no, mean, I'm... Super Rugby Player of the Year. If you internationally, obviously, he wasn't near that sort of standard, but. Super Rugby Player of the Year. I mean, he was the backbone of that Chiefs team. I mean, if I'm voting, he gets my vote because that Chiefs team had such a torrid start uh, to the 2019 season. And he just, you know, he was the captain. He didn't want to be the captain. And he dragged that ragtag bunch of nobodies through the mud, through the wire, through everything. And I mean, I put that recovery of a season that the Chiefs had just from completely like it was five rounds into the tournament and we were saying well Chiefs are done even the Blues might get better finished than them and to to what they actually finished off with with all those injuries uh Brad Weber for me just he he is the Chief um number one Chief I I would have given him that award yeah I think so Uh, the other few players there just by the way just people know uh Lamapi, Mawanga and Sevilla um but yeah I agree I think Brad Weber should have taken that one um the Women's Sevens Player of the Year, Ruby Tui. Congratulations. Um, I'm not really a Sevens expert, so I'm not going to go through all the rest of there. Um, would you, do you want to say the Men's men's Player of the Year for the, the Sevens Player? Oh, really? Uh, Tony Ning Shui. There we go. go with... <laughs> well done. Well done, sir. Yeah, well done. We're not going to try... Um... A half of them. Sevens uh, players... rotates players awful lot, doesn't it? Sorry? Stevens rotates players an awful lot, doesn't it? It's, it's yep. really a breeding ground. Um, and then, uh, sorry, uh, the women's player, international player of the year, uh, Charmaine um, McManamy, uh, which a bit of a surprise that Kendra Cox, Kendra Cox didn't get that one. But um, yeah, congratulations, Charmaine. Um, Blackwell and uh, Letty Leinga were the other two that um, were nominated for that. Finally, players international men's player of the year, so, Bowden Barrett, Anselm Brown, Kieran Reid, Andy Surveyor, Cody Taylor. Yeah, it's, uh, it had to be Andy Surveyor, didn't it? Yeah, um, I, would, I would give Antonina Brown probably a, a nudge towards making a competition. But the rest of them, yeah, Savia was just monumental throughout 2019. Great year, all through. 
He got broken. He got beat. But he was never down. Uh, he was the driving force, I, I guess you could say, behind that, that team forward pack. He was a missing link when he wasn't there. They they missed him massively. The star. Definitely the star. I mean, I think they just kind of tried to fill the gap with the others, didn't they? I mean, <laughs> Cody Taylor, Kieran Reid. Yeah, Bowden Barrett's superstar. We'll throw him in too. But to me, there was only two guys in that conversation, Leonard Brown and, and Savia. Yeah, no, I agree. Yep. So a little final sort of little question before we uh, to, to finish things off. Maxime goes, uh, with the All Blacks being a couple of good players in the wings, can we see Rico play in some other position? Now, this is really interesting because there's a whole bunch of young players in and around the All Blacks who are being played out of position, essentially. Rico Arnie played 13 all the way through 8th grade, um, was coming onto the wing. Dane McKenzie played 10 all the way through age grades, uh, playing at 15. Jordy Barrett um, played 10 or, or 12 all the way through age grade, playing 15. There's a whole bunch of those players who are playing, uh, who have basically started their male professional, their male professional career in those in the back three positions because you get more time and space. There's less pressure, but they all want to be in the three quarters somewhere. Um, where do you? What, what's your thoughts on 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 Rico? Do you think he's, uh, he's going to move in a place, or do you think, or, or, or what, what do you think's going on there? Super Rugby is going to be huge uh, for Rico. Massive. The, the question, I guess, more is where they're going to play him. I think future-wise, he's got to. He, he's, he's got to try and revitalize his career because it is really hanging by a thread. It really is just, just limping along to nothing. So he, he's got to... You, you, you say that, but before he had his downturn in form, he signed a four-year contract with New Zealand Rugby. He's... He's set. He's he's, he's, oh, he's going nowhere. Yeah. He's, he's sure he's going nowhere. But, I mean, look where he is. <laughs> he's at the Blues. Uh, worst place to be for someone trying to probably create or, or, or make a claim to, to get back to a, to a top level. Um, he's got a really – he's a guy for the eyes on him to make things happen. Will he move into the midfield? I think that's where he wants to be. Um it's gonna it's gonna come down to where they play. And if they've got a plan there, I think there's definitely there's room to play. That he's he's their star. He's got to get the ball more. That's where he wants to be. You talk about players choosing where they want to be. I guess he can't really you know dictate how the team's going to play. But being the guy that that team's going to depend on, I think they need to accommodate him. And I mean we we've talked a lot about the new All Black coach, haven't we? He's going to come onto a lot of it as well. How does this plan? You know, you talk about Damien McKenzie. How does that plan continue now? We're going into a new season, new coach, new everything. And I mean, the Chiefs, new coach as well. You've got Gatlin there now. There's a whole lot of water to go under that bridge. Uh, Rico's the same boat. Where's the future life for him? And I mean, we just look about the depth, don't we? And say these guys really haven't featured. Well, the Damien hasn't featured at all. So these guys are still coming in. They're still in that frame. Um, do they make an impact? There's going to be a, a massive a massive few months of Super Rugby for those guys, um, whether they're going to be featured. Oh, in Rico's instance, especially, whether he's going to be in a black jersey again, he's going to need a, a mammoth Super Rugby season to get back to that level. Yes. Um, Max, you got the whole, um, a, there is a whole bunch of utility, multi, multi-utility players out there. That's true. I hate to see Rico going going away like Julian Sever in his prime. Remember, Rico's still five to six years younger than Rico at least, maybe seven years younger than Rico than, than Julian was when he moved on. So we're not talking anything like that. 
uh, for Rico just yet. If we have a look at the Blues squad um, and look at the players they've got, uh, like I mentioned, their midfielders, they've got TJ Fiani, Joe Marchant, Talia. That's it. They've only got three plus Rico Wines. So I think looking at the shape of their squad, the chance are always moving in. The outside backs have got Matt Duffy, Jordan Highland, um, Moni Nawaya, uh, Jared Page, Mark Talia. They've got guys' options in that back three. Caleb Clark is listed, but you've got to remember he's away with the sevens this year. So they've got options in that back three. Uh, Matt Duffy was in the All Black squad um, a couple of seasons ago. He's decent. Jordan Highland, an okay player. Norway said he's a, he was the junior player of the year for the um, as well. So, look, they've got options in those back three places. They're looking pretty light in the centres. I think Rico's getting moved in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That that experience will be probably very valuable for them. But you've got the uh, the Quins man, uh, Joe Munchen, in there as well. So how much of an impact he's going to be? That's going to be the interesting thing. It's always nice to see a little bit of that uh, Northern Hemisphere style of play. We've seen it with, um, oh, what's his name? I've forgotten. It came down to the Highlanders, um, the flanker, of course. Haskell. Uh, Haskell. Uh, Haskell, of course, yes. Um, him coming down, terrible time. The less we talk about that, the better. Um, hopefully we see something from this guy, though. He could be, um, he's pretty highly touted, as so I've read, um, in the English circle. So he should make a bit of an impact. But yeah, Rico in, uh, move him in, leave that, leave that dancing stuff to the guys out the back. And let's see what he's really made of, because it's going to be a tougher game. More pressure's going to be on him. He's going to have to make a bit more decision, uh, a bit more creative ability, I guess. And it's, you know, he's still young. I mean, you look at the age of him and, and he's been in at the top of the world and then fallen down again. And he's the same age as all these guys that are just starting to break through, like like the Reeses and the Bridges and that actually yeah, older 21. than him. So, yeah, so he's still got so much time. He can effectively start his career again and um, still come in at, at younger than these guys. So he's got all the time in the world. Um, he's just got to make the right decisions. And I think kind of mature, I guess, is probably the way to call it into that level. Sorry, he's only 22, but still, hey, you're still very young. Right, thank Still you very so much. Young. Thank you so much, um, Steve. Go check out Cornflake, um, the uh, channel, uh, and also you can get him on uh, um, Twitter as well. And what's the name of your website? Behind the Posts. Behind the Posts. There you go. Dot com. Check it um, down below. Um, you get links to uh, drivingworld.com where you can become a supporter of the channel and get exclusive access to opinion videos uh, and early access to my predictions there. Um, and we'll be back at 8pm every Wednesday night with the All Black Edition. So don't uh, don't forget to come back next week. If you are listening to the podcast, don't forget five-star review on the old Apple podcast. We much appreciate it. And uh, thank you, everybody. And good night.